When selling to a tough market, it can be difficult to figure out how to get your way in there. And sometimes you don't even know who the right prospect is or what they care about. So trying to grow your company can be very difficult. That's why it's important for you to listen to this episode from Seanock Roy. Seanock, founder of Yellow Dig, they're doing awesome stuff in the education sector, but a very, very difficult market to wiggle your way into. Well, he had a tough experience when they started and they had to pivot a few years later and completely rebuild their app. His story is going to be important for you to listen to if you're an early stage company trying to figure out how to grow because they've been successful now but it took him a little while and he shares some of the exact things they did. It might be important for you to hear that too. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. And welcome to the show. Very excited to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. If you're listening, thanks for doing that. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for doing that as well. I am really excited for today's episode and glad that you're here with us. I'm here with Seanak Roy. Seanak, how's your day going? So far, so good. You know, it's just uh, one of those days uh, in the middle of the week. So living through it. (laughs) Awesome. I think we're all living through it and hopefully we're living the dream as they say. But let me tell everybody about you, Shanak. So Shanak is the founder and CEO of Yellowdig. Yellowdig is a community-driven active learning platform adopted by over 130 colleges and universities, K-12 schools, and corporate training clients. Yellowdig's mission is to transform every classroom into an active social and experimental learning community. Shanak graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering from IIT Bombay and completed his graduate studies at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston. Beautiful place, by the way. Prior to founding Yellow Dig, Shanak spent a decade advising global companies on technology, strategy, and growth. So he knows his stuff around software. He knows his stuff about creating software that's going to grow and scale, and I cannot wait to hear his story. So once again, Shanak, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the invite, Matt. Absolutely. So tell me, what have you been up to lately and what's coming up for you? Well, lately, you know, I mean, you kind of in terms of the company, I mean, you know, we have been on this journey for the last eight years now. And, you know, I was used to say seven years, but now just it became eight years. So I was looking back and say, what did we do for the last eight years? Wow. And was it a worthwhile investment of time? Uh, so, you know, a little bit of kind of thinking back uh, and also looking at the thing in the future, which is one part of, you know, getting into a new year is to think about all the things that we are going to do this year. And then we will just again in the end of the year what we accomplished so i'm kind of in, in the middle of that kind of cycle or that planning phase right now for the company very cool i love those phases myself i've been in a few of them but i want to kind of go back where did you get the idea for yellow dig how did that whole thing happen well you know i mean the the story kind of goes by this which is you know i was employed uh, in a company gainfully employed and then i kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur it was always in the back of my mind that one day i'm going to start this company and which is going to be this so uh you know eight years back i quit my job actually it kind of worked backwards where i kind of decided that i this isn't the time for me to plunge and i did plunge in with a little bit of background work um, and, uh, and I thought about things that gets me excited. You know, I, one thing I love doing is building products, um, you know, technology products. Um, and I kind of enjoy doing those sketches, enjoy doing those brainstorming sessions. So one thing was I was kind of really geeking out in the idea of learning. Um, you know, we all have to learn, especially in the day and age when we live in where things are 
changing rapidly around us, but uh, but a lot of that learning is very uh, kind of old school. You know, if you look at the basic way people learn, they go to a classroom, sign up for a degree program, go to Coursera. I mean, that hasn't changed. So I was really curious about how technology can change learning. So that was one of my passions. I got really interested in that topic. The other thing happened was, um, yeah, I had to build a business around it. So, of course, you know, finding who to sell to and what exactly to build and all of that. So long story short, we started with a very kind of rough idea of what we want to do. It's just kind of apply technology and learning and make learning better. Um, and I kind of went through the path of discovering, like, what it might look like. So two, three years kind of piloting, experimenting a lot. And then after that, we found our niche and kind of grew around it. I, I love that whole process. I've been through it, as I mentioned a few times myself, growing my companies and trying to find that niche. How did you get to that niche? You, you said it took you two or three years because originally you were like, who do we sell to? How did you come up with that ICP, that ideal customer profile? And, and how did you come to realize it? Was Did you know it right away or you just wanted to prove it out? Or did you have to go through a whole process to try and identify who that was? How'd that go? Yeah, it was mostly the layer, which was like mostly kind of exploring a variety of things. So one thing I would want to kind of want to mention here, which is if you think about building a SaaS company and, you know, in education or healthcare, or any other you know sectors, there are two kind of companies one can build. One is that a company which kind of goes with an existing, you know, product, which is already established. And you can think about back office products, like, you know, variety of things that people use. And you can build a product which is slightly better because you have a different idea or a different product or different technology or approaching it, but the, the market is already established. The other kind of product you can build, which is, you know, if you are a little more ambitious, uh, like maybe you can say foolishly, I was a little bit, uh, where you can say that, you know what, I'm going to just make this completely different. Like I want to reimagine how things happen um, in education, in healthcare, in any other sector where there is no such product, but you want to really build something new and a new way of doing things. So Yellowdig was one of the, the later part, which is uh, we kind of thought that we are going to change how people learn. So you know, imagine that going to a school and say, hey, I have a product that's going to change how people learn. The first question is, what's the problem again? What are you trying to solve? Uh, why is it the problem? So, so we, we kind of ran into that a little bit early up, you know, early on growing where we, we were trying to kind of find ways of how people learn better, but we quite did not have a product category established. Um, and, and a lot of the, uh, the early conversation was about piloting, frankly, to be kind of going and giving our product to people, pro professors, whoever would were willing to use it and saying that, give it a try, you know, try for one semester, right? One class. And if you really don't want to lose your job, I mean, some people are worried about that too. Uh, but if you're not worried about it, if you're one of those innovators who want to try new things, why don't you try something new and say what it is? So, we went through that cycle, and by about three years' time, we realized that we have something that is truly working. It's truly changing because our, some of our users will come back and say, Shauna, I mean, I love all these things. I know there are a bunch of things you want to improve in the product, but this thing was just amazing. It was a magic, and we really loved it. I can talk more about what it was. So that was the time we kind of went back to the drawing board, and we said that, okay, we have found something that truly some people love, you know, and, and then can we can we build a product around it? Can that be the core offering? So we went through a kind of completely rebuild of our platform three years in to kind of really build the platform around that piece and which is what we're doing now. So uh, first first things first, I mean, 
that had to be kind of scary to realize, uh oh, we got to rebuild everything. We're already this far down. We've got to rebuild everything. And then secondly, yeah, what was that? What, what, what made you do that? So, uh, yeah, absolutely scary for me, for our team, for our investors, because we had raised some money by then. And we kind of also kind of, you know, it's not a great thing to go back to investors and say, we are going to rebuild it. But the exciting part was that, you know, we had a core team which already has seen the, the magic part of it. Like, you know, if we did this thing, how, transformative it is for our users who are using it and how they're benefiting from the product. So I think we were enough belief by then that this is going to work if we could build this thing properly. Mm. And the other exciting part was that, you know, we had a bunch of technical debt, right? Three years in, we were doing a bunch of experimentations and we built features that didn't quite work out. So you can imagine the feature went away, but the code base had, you know, some technical debt because of that. So so we were excited about rebuild mm-hmm. the whole thing where there won't be any technical debt. So we will, we know exactly the problem that we are solving. We know how to build this thing. And we also knew that the kind of technologies we want to use to build it in a way so that we can actually scale it uh, without uh, much technical debt. Awesome. And in terms of the education sector that you're selling into, have you found them to be kind of slow to adopt technology? What's the pace there? Yeah, traditionally slow. Um, if you look at education, um, you know, it's a trillion dollar plus industry, if you want to call it industry. I mean, so, you know, we talk about tuition as being so high and not only in the US, but all around the world, if you add everything up, I mean, trillions of dollars are being spent in education, but only about two to 3%, um, the numbers that I've seen is in digital technologies. So if you look at the mm. overall budget of a college or a university, an average one, uh, you would see that 97 to 98% of the spent is salaries or books or things that they do in a physical, like building buildings or, you know, kind of designing classrooms and things like that. And only a minuscule, 2 to 3% goes towards actually building digital experiences that are going to engage learners online. Now look at the other side of the equation, who they're teaching, which is, you know, young kids, even older people, we are spending hours and hours in online platforms. So, uh, but education is not quite used to that. So the exciting part is that in the next 10 years, a um, lot of that spent and a lot of that work is going to move towards online education, which is already happening because of the pandemic and other things that are happening in the sector. Um, at the same time, which creates this huge opportunity to kind of really build systems that are going to change education. So not only you know, kind of doing the brick and mortar kind of back office things, but also the front office, like how you can imagine education in an online environment. So yeah, it's it's an exciting time, but it also takes um, you know essentially um, be having relationships with our clients, which are universities, deans, professors, provosts, presidents, who are also with us, kind of in this journey to kind of figure out what online learning would look like. Um, you know, seven years down the line, we were uh, just mm-hmm. a company with a mission or a vision to build something, but now luckily we have um hundreds of universities which are working with us now very closely in terms of designing that future. Very cool. And is that something you know you mentioned that such a small percentage of the budget is allocated towards technology. Are you guys allocating some effort and some money towards education of your market to try and get them to understand how important it is for technology to aid in learning for technology to help the overall education process? Are you guys putting some some effort into educating everybody? You know, I would say our sales and marketing is entirely towards educating the market. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, if you go to higher mm-hmm. education and you say that I have this piece of software, please buy it, uh, you know, they would not buy it because they typically would buy based on things that they have used, they see value in it, or, you know, so one of their peers 
you know, maybe a professor who's teaching in a different department in a different school or could be a different institution has used it and have seen value. That's how they buy uh, education technologies. Um, so our effort from a sales and marketing standpoint is to kind of enable that. Uh, you know, to give you some examples, uh, just this week, um, you know, tomorrow and day after, we are hosting a two-day summit um, where we have invited over like 50 mm-hmm. speakers from our client base who are going to come in and talk about their journey, um, you know, not only with our product, you know, they may present about our product, but they may also talk about other products that they're right. using or their overall ecosystem. So, um, and that we see is the biggest, um, one of the largest way we are driving our sales and marketing, which is why kind of having our clients talk about their, their experiences and learn from each other uh, to, you know, use our technology or other technologies in the market. That's genius, by the way. I love those types of get-togethers. Is that going to be virtual? Or is that yes? Or is that is that fully virtual get together? Yeah, fully summit? virtual. Yeah, and you know virtual. it, it okay. so happens that you know education. I don't think enough companies. Yeah, I was oh, just sorry, going to go say ahead. that. I, I was just going to say that you know um, when we decided to do this thing about you know three or four months back, and we had this debate that whether we should do it in person or virtual, uh, because in person you have that person for two days, for example, and you can you know plan it around it. Uh, we decided to go virtual because, you know, a lot of people are starting to kind of not travel as much for a variety of reasons, especially, you know, in the economy we are in. Um, and, and, and I'm glad that we went virtual because the enthusiasm has been much more than what we had expected. Like the, the numbers we were thinking that we will get for this conference, we have like almost doubled it by now. So, so we're excited about it. And sorry, you were saying something. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I don't think enough companies use a virtual event or any event in order to help themselves from a marketing perspective and kind of use your your opportunity with your users, your existing users who are happy and want to share how happy they are with the product. I love that you're combining some of the education you're doing along with just users sharing their experience that the more that we can do that, the better that's going to help the marketing and sales effort. I love it. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, we have been surprised to see the level of engagement and excitement around it. And yeah, if I, I wish I did it like three years back, but you know, this is a good time for us to get started with it. Fantastic. So in, in terms of your company, looking at the growth that you've had, what were some of the best moves that you made along the way that kind of helped your company achieve some of the success, some of the results that you've gotten, Chanak? Well, I, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, making the right decisions, like we have done plenty of wrong decisions, as you would imagine. I mean, I've probably done much more bad decisions than good decisions, but overall, over time, hopefully we have learned from those decisions to make right ones. So, you know, I mean, for, in terms of starting a company, I'll say kind of two things that are important and which we have done some examples. One is that you have to do the basics right. Um, you know, in terms of building a good product and getting feedback from your users to make sure that the product actually is usable and the experience is better, you know, gets better over time. Having the right client success organization so that users who decide to use your platform actually get supported uh, through the process uh, and they see the value. And having a sales organization that is starting to kind of, you know, and marketing as well to kind of do some of the things that we're doing. So, I mean, one thing I would say is that, you know, there is no silver bullet. I mean, it's almost like kind of making sure all the bare basics are all done right so that the the business works is kind of very important. Uh, The other thing I would say in terms Mm -hmm. of strategies that that are kind of has worked for us is often it is not to do with uh, like the business per se, but our users and our customers. Uh, More we have seen Mm -hmm. and early on I can realize that is Education is a very unique sector, right? I mean, we are, we are building SaaS, but for a very unique sector where 
there are traditions in place um, where people behave in a certain way. They expect certain things. They may not be comfortable with certain types of uh, activities. Like, for example, sales. Oftentimes I've seen SaaS companies get very aggressive in terms of sending emails, like, you know, a whole bunch of emails and they treat their customers as if, yeah, if I send 100 emails, if I get 10 responses back, I get five meetings out of it and I get two sales done. Um, that is okay with a lot of sectors, but it, you know, especially when it comes to education, it's very relationship driven. So if you, uh, you know, if somebody mm -hmm. gets annoyed because you are over sending emails and you are not being respectful about their time or the way you communicate to them, that's going to have an impact down the line because they may not talk about your company in the right way or, um, you know, because people do value that a lot. Um, so, you know, for us, one of the things we do is that we are very careful about how we approach our clients, um, you know, how we have those conversations, if they use our product, not use our product. Uh, we maintain that relationship with them so that if they come back later on and maybe go to another institution, um, they would kind of come back to us. So um, I think that part we have done well, um, you know, over the years uh, to kind of make sure that uh, we, we are, uh, you know, we have a good relationship with our partners. I think that's great. Was that something that you had to to learn, that whole relationship part of the industry? Did you initially go out and kind of send a bunch of emails and learn that, oops, it's not the right way? How did that happen? Yeah, great question. So, yes. So, in the beginning, um, you know, I was following a lot of the best practices that are typically talked about in SaaS, building SaaS businesses, which is you think about your marketing funnel, sales funnel, and you kind of go through a very metrics-driven approach, which, by the way, is important to know, like, you know, how things are happening from an informational standpoint. But um, but I did realize, and kind of we got the feedback from the market, is that the relationship is extremely important in this space um, and how people view you and how, um, you know, what's your motivation as a company? Uh, because, you know, a lot of times uh, the question comes up is, uh, you know, now in our stage, um, there are clients who come to us and they want to make the product available to the entire institution. So every student is going to use us not only once or twice, uh, but actually every day in every learning environment they're going to be in. Um, so they, they, they rely on us to make sure that experience is really well done and, and the students have a great experience. So it requires a lot of trust building with them so that, you know, why, why they would want to work with us and why we are working with them. And it's a long-term relationship. Uh, we want to manage the company in a way so that they can rely on our software and our services is very important for in this sector. So, um, you know, the way we learned is by having conversations with our clients um, and kind of started to realize that what's important for them. And, um, and not only we just talk the talk, but we actually walk the walk. Um, so that we set up our teams in a certain way, the kind of investors we want to bring into the company, have that alignment so that uh, they kind of work with us for that long-term vision um, is important. Uh, so, yeah, some of those things, I mean, I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, it basically takes to kind of sit with your clients and understand or really pay attention to what the market is asking. And I think those are the things we kind of learn over the years to make sure that uh, we, we have a trusted relationship with our partners. Yeah, I think that's super important. Those that partner relationship is absolutely critical. You know, as we wrap up here, Shanok, what would you say to other software founders who are kind of just getting started and and looking for some some ways to grow? Yeah, I would say that you know, uh, you know, maybe two of the things that I kind of said before, which is first focus on the bare basics. Um, it's easy to get kind of you know you know defocused and you know with a shiny object or that one thing. If I did, the company is going to grow. But the reality often is that the basics has to work. So 
product, client success, sales, marketing, and having the right people in the right spots and having a clear focus strategy to kind of make things better over time is mm. extremely important. Um, the second, and, and the second thing I'll say is that um, also kind of think about who your customers are and why they're buying your product and the, the other products or the other ecosystem they're living in. Um, you know, it's sometimes easy to kind of think of a software company as um, you're just providing your features and functionality and you're going to use it. Uh, but very often, you know, what we have found is that it, it is a much more complicated system, especially for the vertical businesses, vertical software businesses. So kind of really understanding that ecosystem and being able to kind of, you know, un- you know align on their values and your values and the outcomes they, they are looking together is very important. So, um, you know, if I were to say one thing, I think I would say that is one thing I, I see a lot of founders miss out early on if they do early, and including myself, by the way. If I did earlier on, I would have probably grown faster in the early years uh, than we had, um, you know, we, that we did, you know, in our growth terms. It's fantastic advice, and I would totally agree as well. How can everybody get in touch with you or learn more about Yellow Dig? Where where can they contact you? Well, uh, you know, in terms of learning about the company, just go to our website, yellowdig.co. Um, there's a plenty of case studies and things that they do. If you're in education, if you want to learn more about the company, yeah, there are plenty of case studies out there. You can also reach out to our uh, team by requesting a demo, and we'd love to kind of show you how the product works. Um, and in terms of getting in touch with me, um, you know, I would say LinkedIn is probably the best way. Um, you can search my name in LinkedIn and send me a request. Uh, love to chat. Perfect. And we'll make sure we put that into the show notes or in the description if you're watching on YouTube. Shana, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Matt. Uh, enjoy the conversation, and uh, thanks for doing this. I enjoyed it as well. And everybody out there, thank you very much for coming. Make sure you are subscribed to the show. You do not want to miss out on any other leaders and creators like Seanock. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. That way you're going to get all of the advice and insights into growing your own company. Thank you very much for coming and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallach.com.